So welcome to everybody. Um, just touch the, next, the person next to you and say you made the right decision for being here. Just nudge them. Just nudge them. Amen. And those are watching at home, thank you very much for joining us. And we really appreciate your time that you're spending with us. Um, if, we, if we were to take a poll, I think we are more than you today. <laughs> Amen. But thank you very much for joining us and everybody who's here for making it to church. Amen. It is a wonderful time to spend in the presence of the Lord. Amen. So um, I have the honor and the privilege to receive the offering for the day as part of our worship to the Lord. And we will together read from 2 Corinthians 9. Verses 7 to 9. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Amen? And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Because you've entrusted him. So when you trust him, he gives back to you. Amen? And as the scriptures say, they, shall, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Amen? Isn't this a, a wonderful promise? God says we must think about what we are going to give. And when we think about what we're going to give, he will take care of us. As we give to him, as we give into the kingdom, as we give our tithes and offering, he will take care of the needs that we have. That's why it's important for us to be able to present our needs to him so that he can take care of those needs. But what he is expecting us to do is to take care of one another. While we are here, we take care of one another. And how do we do that? We do it through the vehicle called the church. Because he has instituted the church as a gathering of those who believe in him. And therefore, when we come together, gathering before him, we are not doing it out of being forced or manipulated, but we are doing it from what? From a position of appreciation, from a position of thanksgiving, from a position of worshiping and praising him. So when we give, we give out of a free position. Why? Because we are giving, it, we are giving as a response to what God has done through Jesus for us. Amen? So we do that as a response. And, and, and what we know and what we've been taught and what we are teaching in this church is that the tithe belongs to God. That we don't compromise on. It belongs to God. And therefore, our offerings belong to the church. Because we need to make sure that the kingdom message gets spread out. We need to make sure that we are able to broadcast online. We are able to touch those that we are not able to touch with our physical hands through what? Through the broadcast that we are doing as the church. So we need each and every one of us to contribute our offering to enable us to do what? To bring the church to where people and to reach out more communities and more people through our broadcast media. So we need the money. 
to run the broadcast. We need the money to make sure that the instruments are, are in order, the media team is functioning well. All the things that we are supposed to do to, to make sure that the kingdom expands are done. And how do we do that? Through our offerings. Amen? So when we do that, God says we do it freely, and then he will take care of us. He will take care of our needs. Therefore, it means when we are faced with needs and we have needs that we need to deal with, our money is not sufficient to cover our needs. Therefore, we need somebody who's more than enough to cover our needs, which is the Lord himself. And he says, when you do that, freely distribute it amongst yourselves, freely sharing with others, he will take care of our needs. And we will have more. We will have plenty to share and distribute to others. Amen? So as we give, we give knowingly that he will take care of us, irrespective of where we are financially right now. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can come before you, Lord, and just bring our offerings to you, God. We bring our tithes. Because, Lord, that is yours, O oh Father. And we bring our offerings, O oh Father, to increase and expand the kingdom, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to give, Lord. We pray that everyone who gives, O oh God, may, you, may this word become alive in their lives, O oh God. May it manifest fully in their lives, Father. See to their needs. See to their desires. See to their wants as well, O oh God. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Lord. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've got many ways of giving, and the ushers will pass through the buckets. We can give online. For those that are watching online, you are freely welcome to go into our website and pick up the, the giving tab there, and then you can give as and when you have to give. Thank you very much. Good morning to the most beautiful church in the world. How's everybody doing? Awesome, awesome. Always let me look into the camera and say hello to all our viewers at home. We trust that you will be blessed this morning and challenged. Amen. 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 Well done to our ladies yesterday with the handbags of Hope Outreach. Um, just touching so many lives. Uh, hearing good reports about that. I love our church. Amen. Reaching out outside of the walls of the church. This morning, I want to talk to you quickly about how much do you want it? How much do you want it? Look at your neighbor and say, how much do you want it? Look at your neighbor that was your second choice and say, want what? <laughs> You'll find out in a moment. You, you know, we all love scriptures about abundance. We love it when God's word promises us good measure shaken together overflowing you know those scripture makes us shout hallelujah and chest bump all over the pews Woo! you know it's wonderful it is great god is a good god and god is good all the time but this morning i want to talk to you i want to challenge you for a couple of minutes about when we get called as god's children to a place that moves us out of our comfort zone amen so some years, I've, I've, I've mentioned this before, way before COVID, that some years my wife ago, my wife started to watch a program called MasterChef. Ugh. Much to my annoyance, I must admit. 
The reason is not because I hate food. We all know I don't. Or hate cooking. Without trying to sound super spiritual, I hate a spirit of criticism. I don't like it. Right? I love cooking and I know the love and the effort I put into a dish. So what if my hand slips on the curry and the chili and you have to be admitted to hospital for intestinal bleeding? But, I mean, so what? You know, it's, what's that between friends? Don't criticize me. <laughs> it's easy to criticize if you're not in the game. It is easy to sit behind a, a keyboard, a TV screen, to sit at a social gathering, sit at an office and criticize other people's efforts. In boxing, there's a saying, you don't know how long a minute is until you get into the ring. And if you've ever done boxing, you'll know that is true. <laughs> Especially if your opponent is a gorilla. Amen. And so, as long as you are criticizing, you are not constructing. As long as you're criticizing, you are not constructing. What qualifies me to criticize your efforts? According to whose standards do I criticize someone else's efforts? Understand that there's a time and a place for criticism, but when it comes to these cooking shows, I find it hard to chew on. So, so okay. I'll give you a minute. Okay. <laughs> you know, we as a society, we've started to worship food. When we spend, we spend so much time with it, and yet there are people going hungry, you know, right next to the biggest food wastage humanity has ever seen. So today, 4 billion tons of food are produced every year. This is one and a half times what is required for the 7 billion people on earth. Approximately one third, that's 1.3 billion tons of the total food produced annually ends up not being eaten. I'm sure, and it's not just talking about broccoli, you know that, right? This amounts to 2.5 US trillion dollars, that's 36 trillion dollars every year. In South Africa, 31.4% of all food produced in the country annually goes to waste. That's a total of over 9 million tons. Add imported food in South Africa weighs 10.2 million tons of food annually. The value of this is about 61.5 billion rand. That is 2.1% of the country's GPD. That's from the Farmers Weekly in 2016. So I don't know what it looks like now. Despite this, 868 million people worldwide are hungry. That means they go with less than a plate of food a day. And over 250 million of those people live in sub-Saharan Africa. So can you imagine so many people go hungry every day? I mean, I mean your, your belly is already making noises, just me saying this, right? I feel so hungry all of a sudden. Hungry, hunger is an interesting phenomenon, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Listen to the scripture, Proverbs 6, verse 30. It says, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's starving. Yet when he's found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. So Solomon is not condoning stealing. He's condoning condoning not getting caught no no i'm just okay he's not condoning stealing he says if he's found out 
So make sure if you say, okay, never mind. Today's sermon, seven easy points how to steal your next meal. No, 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 okay. So we, we invited some people from Paul. No, no, so, okay. Solomon is not condoling stealing. He seems to have sympathy for a thief whose stealing is motivated by hunger. If we could put on glasses for a moment, and those glasses will allow us to look into the spiritual realm. Can you imagine? Just put on glasses and just see into the spiritual realm. See angels, demons. See what's happening. Right? How fat would you be? Spiritually speaking, of course. What would you look like if you look at yourself, spiritually speaking? Right? What would the church look like? Would we still be hungry for the things of God and the kingdom? Or are we spiritual gluttons? What would motivate our spiritual hunger? What is the state of the church post-COVID? I heard about pastors who smuggled Bibles to the underground church in China. And one family wouldn't get a Bible. They would only get a page out of the Bible. Then they will memorize those Bible verses, those pages. And if they meet another believer, they will swap out pages. I quickly want to show you a video. Just watch the screens. Maybe you've seen this before. Let me finish with this uh, story. We go to China from time to time, and, and uh, uh, we train leaders. And this time we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province, and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in, and when you teach in China, you start at 8 in the morning, and you don't get done till 5 at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, a little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway. And as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you... You, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh, yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize many chapters? She said, in prison. I said, you have much time in prison. <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? And she said, yes. 
So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. You guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. Wow. It's powerful, isn't it? You see, hunger makes all the difference in our churches today. That's why this morning I want us to study this topic that most of the time we will do everything in our power to avoid. I, I want us to stay this issue of hunger in the face. You see, in the natural, we understand that hunger is a curse, right? But spiritual hunger, the Bible says, is a gift. It connects us to Jesus because Scripture promises us in James 4 verse 8. It says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Draw near to God. You see, He's already taken a step in your direction when He, when he sent His Son. But now we have to take the next step and He will draw near to us. You cannot draw near to something that you do not want. You don't lean into something that you are not hungry for. Bill Johnson said those who become the most demanding of their meals are usually the farthest away from hunger. Come on now. Right? Those with the most options become demanding and critical. When we are overfed without having an output, nothing wrong with eating, but if you don't have an output, it becomes breeding ground for ungratefulness and ingratitude. But you see, hunger eliminates all these problems. So just three things I want to say about hunger. Hunger moves us to action, number one. Hunger moves us to action. That's why you go to work every day, isn't it? 
because eventually if you don't you're not going to eat right hunger seems to move people to do strange things i remember years ago i saw a documentary about an old male lion and he was very old he was sick and therefore he was starving and in a last ditch effort not to starve he took on this younger buffalo cow three times its weight and size eventually got killed but he tried <laughs> you know over the years i've seen how people with no more options people who've tried everything they know how to do people whom have been thrown around by life realize that god is the one they are actually hungering for and to me that's the definition of grace can i just get that water please that, to me that's the definition of grace <laughs> that's not what i mean and you know <laughs> you see hunger reminds us we are human every time we are faced with hunger we are reminded that we have needs isn't that true <coughs> excuse me let's read a story in the old testament of a lady who had a spiritual hunger it's in 1 samuel 1 we're going to read from verse 11 then she made a vow and said o lord of hosts if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant but will give your maidservant a male child then i will give him to the lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head i that's personal wait a minute no i'm just teasing okay and it happened as she continued praying before the lord that eli watched her mouth and now hannah spoke in her heart only her lips moved but her voice was not heard therefore eli thought she was drunk he was a bit judgmental so eli said to her how long will you be drunk put your wine away from you can you imagine me as your pastor just like how long will you be drunk Put it away from you. <laughs> but Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I've spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and God, the God of Israel grant you petition which you have asked of him. She said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate and her face was no longer sad. You see, when we are hungry for the goodness of God, when we are hungry for His answers, when we become fed up with our own ways, our own opinions and solutions that never seem to work, that is when we move into a realm where we become transformed. Spiritually hunger people Hungry people crave, but those who are satisfied evaluate. There's a huge difference. They evaluate, evaluate other people's teachings, their experiences, and that's when you hear things like they're too radical, they're too intense, they're too afraid. Anything that you put a two to, <laughs> a two to on. 
dances in your mind. Okay. <laughs> but Hannah craved to see the manifestation of her prayers. Her hunger for a child moved her into action. Come on. So here's my question. Here's my challenge. What will it take to move you today? What will it take for you to stop making those excuses and go all out for God? What will it take for you to say, I'm going to go from the shallow waters to the deep waters? What will it take for you to stop hiding behind a pandemic? Get back to church, those watching at home. Get back to church where God planted you. Stop making excuses. And be where you know you should be. You see, hunger will move us. And I believe God is raising up a generation that says we are going to be all out for God. All out for God. No more things that contest for my time. No more things that contest for my affections. No more other things that's more important to me than the will of God in my life. Here's the second thing. Hunger makes us focus. I want to prove this point to you. Today, our church is calling out a 21-day fast. What was the first thing you thought about? Food. I got you there, didn't I? You should have seen your faces. Hey, she already spoke about the excuses, and you were making excuses. No, I'm on medication, Pastor, you know, and I can't take my medication without having a little something, you know. <laughs> That's right, we thought about food. Nothing focuses your attention on food as much as hunger. Right? The same way, spiritual hunger will make us focus on God and His kingdom. That's why Jesus calls those who hunger blessed. L listen to what He said, Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. They shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and I understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. But family, as a church, we should also hunger that righteousness will prevail in our world. It, I was shocked. This week, our family, we were, we were browsing on, on some of the streaming platforms. You start watching something, and by the second program, the agenda already is being pushed into your face. Things that would have shocked us out of our minds in the 80s are now age 13, 14, 'm like how perverted must you be to put this in a children's program we should hunger and first that righteousness will be established in our schools again and it starts at home 
But what are, your, what are your children thinking of you when you can't even get to church? What are your children thinking because what's your priority will become their priority? So what, what was, who, who's leading by example now? I'm telling you there's a special anointing upon our teenagers. And I'm going to say this again. I want to call upon every teenager in this room to get involved. Get behind the sound desk. Come and audition for, for, for the musicians. Come and get behind the camera. Come and get behind you because you grow by serving. I remember I was just born again. For the first time I walked into a Pentecostal church. It was mind-blowing. Remember, I grew up in an alcoholic's home. I walked into this place and all I experienced was the light of God. By the second service, the guy behind the sound desk walked up to me and said, Come, come and stand with me. And I walked out, I just saw, what does this button do? What does this button do? <laughs> no. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. There were so many buttons <laughs> and lights moving. I don't know that, <laughs> right? says, you're going to stand with me and this is going to be your place from now on, on a Sunday. I don't know what the heck I was doing, but I was there. Because I got involved. I want to call on every young person here, get involved. There's so much planning. There's so much that we are still planning and that we're going to do in this church. <laughs> Man, the devil thought he had us dead. We are not. We are alive. And we are raising up. Amen. He thought he knocked us down, but champions get up. Amen. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see, when, when we don't hunger and thirst, something else will happen. We will focus on other people's experiences with God. And I know our fathers were great. Our church fathers were great. They were awesome. But I don't want to read about what Smith, Smith Wigglesworth did or John G. Lake did. I want to see what this generation is going to do now. I want to see what we are going to do. Dwight L. Moody said, give me one person on fire for God. I'll change a whole city. What about a room full of people on fire for God? Amen? You've been given a gift God has placed something special on the inside of you, not because of you, but because of the people you want to reach through you. You've got a destiny and a purpose. Listen, you're not just born to suck up air, to live a mundane life of routine, going to work, getting back. And I know it gets you down. You know why it gets you down? It's because you're not living for a purpose larger than that. Focus, focus, focus. You see, we become more interested in how others are living and their lives. In other words, we become spectators. Don't be a spectator. Studies show that, that a church is made up of a core group of people around it and then spectators. No, we don't want to be a church of spectators. I want to see other people burn. I want to be on fire. That's why, I think that's why in the media... In, in the movies, there's so many superhero movies at the moment. 
it's, it's, it's like a bug's life these days. This beetle guy, bee guy, spider guy. Man, it looks like my backyard. Ant-Man. Like seriously. Miss Kreierman. What's that thing? <laughs> it's like, never mind. <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> you know, we'll clean up your... Okay. So, <laughs> so you, you know why I think that is? It's because we are looking for heroes. Family, Jesus Christ is our ultimate hero. And here's my challenge to you. Why don't you go and be the hero in somebody else's life? You know, it warmed my heart as we were praying before the service. Michael said, he says, I don't know where I would have been if it weren't for every single person in this room. That is the church. That is the church. Don't become a restaurant critic that cannot cook. Amen. You see, it's easier to criticize than it is to cook. It's easier to tear down than it is to build. I've seen it with our previous buildings. It's easier to tear down those walls. You do it in a day. We took out a wall in this place in a day. But it took, uh, it took us two weeks just to get everything else done. It's easier to tear down than what it is to build. Remember that when you're on social media. Anything born out of criticism is doomed to fail. A ministry born out of criticism of another ministry will never work. It will fail. Another relationship born out of a criticism of your current partner will not work. Yeah, Pastor, you know what? My husband is horrible. His underwear is all over the place. He never does any dishes. And Pastor, I don't mean to be ugly or anything. Oh, but he falls. Something horrible. I think my life is in danger every time he eats. I'm on oxygen, Pastor. Water zone doesn't even work. You know. Oh, but Pastor, this guy I saw on TV. Ooh. So beautiful. Don't you think his breath stinks as well? When he gets up in the morning? Don't you think he's human as well? Don't live in a fantasy world. Don't live. Don't live there. It's so easy to criticize. You see, but when, when, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be, say will be, you will be filled. It will focus your attention on Jesus and the goodness of God. I heard a guy say, an uh, 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 all-time preacher, he says, we should preach the cross to ourselves every day. What does that mean? It means what Jesus has done for me on the cross of Calvary. Because it focuses us on His goodness. It makes sure we remember who He is and what He's done on the cross and accomplished on the cross. It will... It will focus our attention on the fact that we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Here's my last point. Hunger eradicates pride. Hunger eradicates pride. 
protocol goes out the window for those with extreme hunger. Come on. So some of you forget where you are when you're hungry and you become hangry. People just say stuff. You know, it's the nicest person until they get hungry. Have you seen that? They become mean. Right? You can be at work. You'll smack your boss. Shut up. I need food. <laughs> Isn't that true? Right? When you are hungry, you don't care what the food looks like. It can look like roadkill. You'll eat it because you're hungry. Come on now. You don't care if the meal is presented beautifully with all these green things on it. Why do you put the green? Just give me the steak. Give me the potato. Give me the steak. I don't care about the leaves around it and the little balsamic squirt that you've put there. You're wasting stuff. It's part of those tons of food you're wasting. Just give me the meat. <laughs> By the time that thing is brown and golden, it should be in my mouth. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> Did you guys see that meme? It says, years ago, if you had sleeve tattoos, you were a biker and you could kill somebody. These days, if you've got sleeve tattoos, you can make a nice... <laughs> what a nice salad with a balsamic drizzle on it you know <laughs> times have changed and here's the thing you don't care if you eat that meal in a mud hut or a palace you don't care who's watching you eat you're gonna eat you don't care about table manners or eating with your hands you just want to eat because you're hungry Come on now. You see, and I believe there's a valuable spiritual lesson there. God cannot work with prideful people. He says, he says, He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What is pride? Pride is boasting in self. Pride is why I know better. Pride is when you come to Jesus as a teacher, as the rich young ruler did. And not as a student. Pride cannot learn something new. Pride is not open to say, you know what? I'm wrong. You are right. You want to save your marriage? These words, I was wrong. Because chances are 99.9% .9 that both of you were wrong. And if one admitted, you've won 50%. And you're closer to reconciliation. But sometimes we're more concerned about who's right. We're more concerned about who's going to win the argument. That's pride. That's pride. And the quicker you come to a place where you can say, Honey, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. I apologize. No buts. Otherwise, you're going to fall on your butt. No buts. Because, you know, humility is able to do that. But what about my rights, Pastor? You don't understand. I told you about the oxygen machine, but you're not listening. You know, what about my rights to breathe? <laughs> In marriage, you don't really have rights. 
You know that? Because you've given it up. You belong to one another. You one flesh. So when you try to win the argument, who are you actually hurting? Yourself. Just hurting yourself. And you prolonging the process to peace. That's why the writer of, 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 of Proverbs says, I'd rather live in a small room with peace than in a palace with contention the whole time. <laughs> so I'd rather live in peace than have everything. And, 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 and I've seen it so many times. I've seen it so many times where, where you get really, really well-to-do people. The biggest palaces, and I, I say palaces, I mean it. We, there, there was one, we had a small group there. But there was never any peace in that home. Because the whole time it was me, 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 my rights. My, why am I on this? My, my, obviously the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us, doesn't he? God wants you to have a happy marriage. Marriage can be the most amazing thing in your life or the most dreadful thing, the most torturous thing. But the choice is yours. And, and I can tell you now, the, the first step is remove pride out of your life. Don't be one of those proud Christians who are so proud that they don't have any pride in their life. Amen. Amen. Here's a valuable lesson for us. This is an interesting story. Let's go to 2 Kings 13. It's such a cool story. 2 King, I think we should make a TV series about this. Like, there's so many cool. For our up-and-coming filmmakers, they are the coolest stories in Scripture. I'm telling you, man. Then Joash, king of Israel, came to him. And wept over his face and said, Oh my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elijah, Elijah was a prophet, said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took, you see, if you're full of pride, you're the king. is like, what, are we going archery shooting? What's happening here? But you must understand that Elijah, the, the, the Old Testament prophets, didn't just prophesy with words. They enacted. At one stage, to do that, to lay on his side, I don't know for how many days, I can't remember, in front of the city gates. Because they always enacted the prophecy. It's important to understand the context of the story. Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Opened the east window and he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians and Apec till you have destroyed them. That's a lack of word, right? Then he, then he said, take the arrows. So he must have been in the spirit of what's happening here. He says, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck 
three times and stopped. And a man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you have destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. And if I was the king's like, you didn't say that. <laughs> Bro, that's important information that you left out that could have been useful to me 30 seconds ago. Right? Because at first glance, the story can seem very unfair. But at closer inspection, you will see it is a story about hunger. Because he, he must have been in it. <coughs> I mean, imagine. Bow and arrow. Prophet comes, put his hands on yours. Yeah, that was fun. Okay, but we need to defeat the Syrians. And, and God is busy prophesying. But the king wasn't hungry enough for the deliverance from the Syrians. You see, when you are hungry for something, it will produce something that nothing else can passion it will produce passion passion will drive you passion will outlast any pain and discomfort in your life when life hits you and life does and it throw curveballs at you what's going to keep you is passion and vision. Family, there was a time earlier this year, and I'm like, God, why are we still doing what we are doing? And every time we prayed, every time Pastor Gerd and I prayed, we prayed about the future of the church. We prayed about stuff. It is not an easy thing to lose over 25 million rand. It is not an easy thing to lose everything you've built for for more than a decade and in a moment it's gone and people are deserting you left right and center people are talking behind your back you know what kept us going a passion for souls a passion to see the church of jesus christ prevail no matter what passion will push you through the discomfort <coughs> excuse me does it mean it doesn't hurt of course it hurts does it mean that sometimes you, you feel like quitting? Yes, it does. But passion will keep you from quitting. It is, listen, it is not a sin to feel like quitting. It is a sin to quit. When God has told you not to quit. Quitting means that you've got, you've, you are successful because you've got something to quit. Amen. Amen. Passion will drive you. The prophet told the king, those arrows represents the deliverance of the Lord. So how much do you want it? How much do you want to take? How much do you want to be delivered from your problems? How many, <laughs> how many of you remember falling in love? Come on. Right? Oh, that's sweet. Bro. That, was, that, was, that, was, that was smooth. Yeah, every day, every day. <laughs> every time you see her, you fall in love again. That's nice, man. <laughs> and, and, and all you could think about was your true love. Right? 
all other priorities were secondary. And you see, that's the real issue here this morning is love. Real love is not casual. Talking about real love. Real love is not convenient. Because some of you drove out your last drop of petrol to be with her. Every week. Right? Come on. Bills, food. Those are for the week. All that matters now is love, baby. Come on. Man, the links I went to to be with my wife. Right? To court her. Just to see her. Like, like there, was, there, was, there was a short time where she drove to work and I drove to work. It was in the city. And, and, and in a spot in the traffic. In traffic. I'll spot her. That's my girl. Yeah. Come on. Right? And I spent all the little money I had to be with her. And then I started spending her father's money to be with her. You know, and then, <laughs> right? <laughs> because you have to be clever. A boer mark a plan, but a scotch, a scotchman will steal a plan. I mean, look, I'm just, I mean, <laughs> I just said, I'm going to be with her no matter what. I knew I was going to marry her. I was in my final year. And, and, and I said to her, Let's, we're going to get engaged. We're going to set a date. And I'm going to trust God and I will have a job by then. And God came through. Every time, God came through. I just, and, and family, that's what it should be. Some of you have been married for, for many years, should go back and remember those days. Remember what attracted you to your spouse. See the qualities again. Don't, don't wait for it to be too late. Don't wait to lose something before you appreciate it again. It's not necessary, right? You see, real love doesn't care about protocol. It's going to strike those arrows five, six, seven, a hundred times if it has to. Because I'm not living a life of excuses. Because real love is real hunger. Real love is real hunger. Because if we look closely, love and hunger in the spiritual realm, they're so closely related. Paul writes, he says, it's the love of Christ that compels us. Compels us to do what? To do everything He did for the sake of the gospel. Family, we've, we've become a church, a bride that has fallen in love with herself. And have forgotten that we've received a mandate. We've forgotten that we've received a commandment from God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He says, drive out demons. You know how many people are sitting in church being tormented by demons day in, day out, but there's no deliverance. I want to ask why. Have we lost our hunger? Because the first thing that goes out the door when we lose our hunger is holiness. And if we, the righteousness of God in Christ, 
and the Holy Spirit abides in us, I wonder how comfortable He is inside of us. Does He share the space with something that's unholy? What have we brought into the temple? You see, because the first thing that walks in is laziness. And then the rest of the demons follow. And we, our hands become tied. We're not the church we should be. We're not fulfilling our mandate. We should be. Why? Why? Because we've fallen in love with self. Our own comfort. I see. You know, I spoke to a pastor friend of mine and he's, I'm praying for him. He's having a difficult meeting with his church this morning. I said to him, take courage and preach what you need to preach. Preach the truth. Preach what God has called you to preach. Because we can't fall in love with self, family, and think we're going to be effective as a church. Get what I'm saying? Uh, because I see, we, we're talking, uh, uh, we were talking, and, and I, I look at the church in the book of Acts. People moan about giving in the church. Do you know, Pastor Mpo was talking about that the word offering is found over a thousand one hundred times in Scripture. Just offering. We're not talking about the time. Talking about offering. And people complain. They say, "Listen." Go and read the book of Acts. People sold everything they had and brought it to the apostles' feet. Do you know what courage that should have taken? What, what hunger they were in their hearts? What compelled them to do something like that? Like I'm going to sell off my whole portfolio, all my property, and I'm going to bring it to the apostles' feet so that we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. I wonder how many times God has taught people in the modern day church to do something like that, but we ignore Him. Right? They, they, they sold everything they had. Now I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you that family, I think we've become too comfortable. And post-COVID, that is proof because people just didn't come back to church. And I'm talking globally. Globally. Why is that? Have we lost our hunger? Have we become food critics? People are more comfortable. And I think this is ministry that just blows my mind. People are becoming more comfortable to criticize other men and women of God online. And I'm asking, what have you done for the kingdom of God? Because I don't read anywhere in the book of Corinthians or Romans 12 about the gift of criticism. <laughs> I read about the gift of encouragement. I read about the gift of exhortation, the gift of leadership. The gift of going out and, and being the hands and feet of Jesus. 
I don't read about a gift of criticism. And who appointed you to police? According to whose standards are you? But that's what we've become. And we think that is Christianity. It's not Christianity. Meantime, the mosques are going up all over our city. Meantime, there's, 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 there's nursery schools opening up with, with Eastern philosophies and we take our children there. We think it's okay. It's not okay. Where's our hunger for the things of God? Where's our hunger? When was the last time you committed your whole life to something bigger than yourself? Just like abandon, like everything I give to the cause of Christ. And our hobbies become more important. Our stuff become more important. Our image become more important. Let's forget about those things, shall we? Let's say for the cause of Christ. And every person listening to me at home, every person in this room should ask this question. Like, Pastor, how can I give my whole life for the cause of Christ? Get what I'm saying? Get my heart this morning. Say, everything I am, everything I do, I'll do it for you. Let God challenge you on that. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your gifts, your talents. I'm talking about your time. Pastor Khan and I were talking as we were praying. We took the month of August to pray through things for our church. And I said, you know what? I know they, the story is going around, but I will not move the church from here until God tells me. We'll expand here. We'll grow bigger here. But just to make it comfortable so that we can draw more spectators, I'm not interested in spectators because that's not lasting growth and the last four years proved that to me. We want lasting growth. We want disciples whose lives change. And if it means we put up a thousand-seater tent next door, then we're going to do it. Because they've given us permission to do whatever we want on this property. <laughs> Little do they know. <laughs> I said to them, they're like, really? Really? Are you sure? I took my wife with, she was witness to it. Okay. Right. <laughs> Operation Takeover Commence. Let's do this. <laughs> Amen. But we're going to do it. And I want to see the young people from Kahisu. I want to see the young people from Municipal. I want to see the young people from this area and every area surrounding area. And we will see people drive because a church that's alive, it's worth the drive. Stop making excuses. Get your butt back in church. Stop making excuses and live for Christ. Because there's no excuse. We've got cars. We've got petrol. God is taking care of us. And we will see something great happen here. Amen? Amen. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're watching at home.
Maybe you've stumbled upon this broadcast. Maybe you are here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor, I hear what you say. My life is not committed to Christ. I'm not hungry. Now I can feel that hunger pangs starting in my spirit. But you know what, Pastor, I'm not where I should be spiritually. My spiritual life is one of excuses and mundane. And I refuse to live a second longer like this. I want to speak to every man and say, be the man of your house. Lead by example. God has called you for greater things. I pray that something will stir in your heart. Maybe that is you. And you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. How do I do that? That is the easy part, my friend. Committing your life to Christ is not difficult because Jesus already paved the way for His finished work on the cross of Calvary so that you can come to Him. And it's a simple prayer. And maybe you're not there this morning, but you say, Pastor, I don't want to stop watching this broadcast. I want to leave this place without committing my life to Jesus. If that is you, turn your palms towards heaven. Pray this prayer out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Today, I invite you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I receive the free gift of grace and righteousness right now. Thank you, Lord, that I can call you Father in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God a hand all over this place. If you've committed your life to Jesus, we do want to encourage you. Listen, you can't do life alone. You need a community of believers around you. When you connect it, you grow. When you amputate it, you die. Don't amputate yourself. Grow, grow, grow. And reach out. Maybe it's difficult for you, but reach out. Reach out on a platform that you are watching this, listening to this. And we will get material to you. If you are here, grab a booklet from one of the ushers or at the table. It is for free. Go and study those scriptures. It is life-changing. Part of our service now is to receive communion. I'm going to ask the most beautiful apple of my eye. The one who's captured my heart and kept it so nicely. For more than 20 years, babe. My heart is yours. You know that. Amen. <laughs> And mine is yours too, okay? The ashes are going to hand out the communion elements um, as they pass. Please grab your elements, keep them with you. We are going to partake together. Uh, while they are doing that, I want to just uh, quickly tell you about something exciting that's going to happen at the end of the month that you're going to hear about in the announcements. But I've um, repetition is the mother of learning, so I'm going to keep on telling you about this. Our Heritage Day Feast on the 24th. Yes, we have flyers that are not the same as the information in the newsletter that you can please take. Take more than one and take it and go and invite someone. This is going to be an amazing opportunity to bring people to church to experience the wonderful people that you are. The love and the fellowship and the togetherness. There's going to be food. We've already ordered the spit. We need someone to come make a pup. I need a volunteer, someone to come and make a big pot of pup for us. Uh, but all the details are on the flyer. So get the flyer, but also if you want the, the getting involved details, it's in the newsletter. But now we're going to get 
talk about the feast that Jesus prepared for us, which we remember every time we partake of communion. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son so that every one of us who believes in him will not die but have eternal life. And in what way did God give his son? He gave him by having him die on the cross in our place. Because let's admit it, we all know that we are not perfect. We all know that we make mistakes, we do things wrong. We're all aware of sin, even though in this day and age, you know, people don't like the word sin. Not allowed just to say uh, you've got sin in your life. But, uh, but sin is a reality. It's whatever we do that breaks ourselves and those around us. And Jesus didn't want us to live under the consequences of sin. And he couldn't, God couldn't punish us with a death penalty because then we'd be dead. Then there's no relationship. So in order to still be a righteous God, to deal with the sin problem and judge it, but keep us alive, he said he's going to pour out the judgment on Christ on the cross. So when Jesus was on the cross, he took all our sin on him. He bore all our punishment. So that now when we say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me, I don't take the punishment on me because it's, he already took it away. And I want to read us the scripture in Ephesians 1 verse, verse 7 because this is what kind of sums it up for me. In Him, that is Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. His grace is that He wants to be good to us. So He took what we deserved, the punishment, so that we can get what we don't deserve. And that is his love, his acceptance, his goodness, his blessing, his smile. So when we have the wafer, we remember his body. And that is his body that was crushed and took the punishment. And just think, is there anything you are feeling guilty about right now? That you feel so bad about, you can't forgive yourself, you're struggling to let it go? Just Imagine that the guilt for that is on him, was on him on the cross. Just picture in your mind's eye that the punishment went on him. And then when you eat this wafer, you are receiving that he took it in your place so you can let go of the guilt, let go of the feeling that you have to be punished. You don't have to. He took the punishment. Let's pray over the wafer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took my punishment so that I don't have to be punished, so that I don't accept any punishment in the form of disease or sickness or calamity in my life because you took it away. As we're going to eat this, Lord Jesus, we're going to receive what you did. So let's say out loud, I believe it, I receive it. Let's eat the bread. And the, the red juice reminds us of Jesus' blood, his red blood that was spilt on the cross as payment also for our sins, to wash us clean. But it also inaugurated under us into new life because that's what blood does. It speaks of life. So we have new life in Christ. And what does it say in the scripture? It says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So when we drink the cup, 
remember you are forgiven. You are washed clean. You are in right standing with God. And that's basically what it means to say you are righteous. We tend to think we are righteous because we behave right. But we are actually righteous because Jesus made us righteous by his blood. He bought us. It's like a price that was paid for us. We belong to the world of the devil. And then he paid with his blood and he bought us. Now we belong to him. So we are right with God. We are washed clean. We are righteous. And because we are clean and righteous in his eyes and he smiles over us, we can lift our heads, straighten our shoulders, look life in the eye and go and do things that are in line with the righteousness that we are. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I'm washed clean by your blood, that I'm right with God, that I can receive your smile over my life. Lord, as we're going to drink this blood, we declare your protection over our life. We declare that nothing that is evil can touch us because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb that was sacrificed in our stead. Let's say together, I believe it, I receive it. Let's drink. God is good, isn't he? Every time I take of, partake of communion, I just receive his peace. So we bless that you that you may go in peace. And now please, if you'll look at the screens, we, uh, you can uh, watch the announcements. Thank you. Welcome to the Anvil Church announcements. Thank you for joining us in person today. Please be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media or signing up for our WhatsApp broadcast list by popping us a message. Our latest newsletter is available and chock full of inspiration and information about what's happening at Unveil Church. Be sure to grab your copy at the welcome desk. Prayer, a powerful tool in our Christian arsenal. We encourage you to join us for an hour of in-person prayer on Saturday the 16th of September from 10 to 11 a.m. and see how God moves on our behalf. On Sunday, the 24th of September, we celebrate our unity in Christ with a unique worship experience starting at 9 a.m. and continuing into a Bring and Share Heritage Day feast. There will be prizes for the best dressed, so you're welcome to wear your cultural attire. Sign up at the welcome desk to bring along some of your traditional foods to share. We look forward to a wonderful day of joy and fellowship in the Lord. Come and experience the Lord on Wednesday, the 13th of September at our Holy Spirit Fire midweek service. See you at 7 p.m. for an evening of worship, prophetic encouragement, and ministry prayer. Please help us tidy the hall by dropping your used communion cup in one of the blue buckets at the exit. Do join us for a cup of coffee or tea after the service. Let us take our vision with us as we go. We want to see Jesus Christ unveiled in every heart and every home. Have a fantastic week. How hungry did you get when you saw the pictures of those?
thank you, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you will start something and complete it in our lives. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that destinies become clear, purpose become clear for each and every one as we go into this week. Thank you, Lord, for your divine protection. Thank you, Lord, that you keep us and our loved ones safe. You keep us safe from harm, safe from any accident, disease, safe from any virus or mutated virus in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we will get preferential treatment wherever we go because we are your beloved children. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. Bless you guys as you go. Thank you.